verses 13 through 35. So it's Luke 24, verses 13 through 35. And I'll, I'll prompt you to follow along after just a little bit of setting up the passage for today. Uh, before we do that, I just want to give a shout out to Lissa Brown. Lissa, you are here after your major surgery just the week before last, and our people have been praying for you, and we are so thankful to God that you are here today. We pray. I know you've got a long way to go, uh, but we give God thanks for all that you have accomplished. You are a fighter, and you are our hero. So, God, thanks be to God. We, we, we are glad that you're here today. Yeah. All right. Well, for um, some time, our family has had on its bucket list, we've had on our bucket list, a trip to New York. Since seminary, it has been since seminary uh, days that Melanie and I went there. That was in the spring break of 1998 of our final year at BTSR. So that was prior to 9-11, and so much has changed there and in our world since, since that last visit. So we've been planning the spring break trip to take Isabella up there, and she had the opportunity to celebrate her 12th birthday in the Big Apple. So it was a wonderful trip, and we are so grateful to have uh, the vacation time uh, to, to go away. We actually made our TV debut on the Today Show last Wednesday. Uh, we were there. You know how you gather around and uh, cheer for the, t- uh, the anchors and all that? Well, they gave a little, I think, a five-second clip of us and then my phone started lighting up with people texting us, we saw you on TV, are you there at the Today Show? And it was so fun, and uh, we just had a marvelous time and uh, celebrating her birthday, and we saw a, a show. Well, Thursday afternoon, we went to Central Park, and of course, we had planned to navigate through the lower part of Central Park and then make our way to the Metropolitan Museum of Art. Well, because... I kind of got us lost in Central Park. We didn't make it to the museum. But along the way, we saw this beautiful bridge. I think it's called the Bow Bridge. Many of you have seen it or been familiar with it. And we stopped to get our picture. So somebody took our picture, family picture there. And then before we walked to the other side of the bridge, I saw a dad, and he was standing there with his phone taking a picture of his wife and their three boys. And so I said to him, hey, do you want me to take your picture? You get in. And he said, sure. So he handed me his phone, and when I saw him, I was like, he sure looks familiar. Have you ever had this happen to you? So I took their picture, took a few pictures and everything, and then gave him his phone back. We started to chat, and both uh, two of his boys older twin boys had UVA sweatshirts on, and then they had a younger son. And I saw them like, are y'all from Virginia? Yeah. What part? Mechanicsville. And, you know, that's where we lived prior to moving to Midlothian last year. And it turns out that the dad and I started talking, and he's involved with the Boy Scout troop of the church where I served uh, in Mechanicsville. And they live across from one of Isabella's best friends, and she recognized the boys. And so we sat there and started talking, and uh, it was just a really neat experience that in the middle of Central Park in New York City that we met some people right near where we used to live who are from the Richmond area. And I'm sure that that's happened to you before where maybe you have said like us, it sure is a small world. You never know who you're going to meet, and 
in my thinking, I never, we never would have had that encounter had I not taken this step to meet a need. And I'm not trying to say I did something good, oh, look at me, but if I hadn't have taken that step to say, can I take your family picture, we would have never had that encounter and we would have just gone on our way. So how often do we miss opportunities of ministry and continue going? Today we're going to talk about extending Christian hospitality to others and how we can perhaps sometimes have a a divine encounter in this big, small world in which we live. Perhaps this line of thinking is what the writer of Hebrews is trying to communicate in that verse, Hebrews 13.2. Do not forget to show hospitality to strangers, for by so doing, some people have shown hospitality to angels without knowing it. We are in the people business here at HRBC. At the end of the day, we are in the people business. We are called to worship God and to love others, to love neighbor, to be neighbor, to grow in our faith, to serve others in ministry and in mission. And we believe that when we serve others that we meet Jesus. We may have an encounter with the divine. We might call this serve evangelism. That in serving the needs of others, that God may open a door for us to share the love of Jesus. I'm so thankful that Chris Branch and her team have helped us to begin the guest services ministry here, where you see um, new signs out to help our guests find their way around the campus. There are people positioned in various places from outside the building into the three different welcome centers that we have. And... uh, people to help guests find their way to Sunday school and so forth. Uh, We are in the people business, and today our new message series and teaching series that tracks along with it in Sunday school is to help us to model authentic Christian hospitality in our congregation, in our communities, in our county, in our city, and beyond. I believe that it's contagious. I believe that when we treat others the way that Jesus desires, that God will bless us and He will multiply. People desire to be involved in a church that truly cares for each other and truly cares about its community. And getting back to the roots of Christian hospitality, I believe, will help us to continue to grow into a strong and vibrant church in this community that the community will miss us if we were not here. The Old Testament roots... uh, You think back to Abraham and Sarah. Uh, They had three strangers come to them, and Abraham offers water for washing, bread to eat, and a place to rest. And in so doing, they heard from God. Those messengers were from God and told Abraham and Sarah that they were going to have a son. In Deuteronomy, Moses tells the people that their God is the God of gods and the Lord of lords. And that this God is a deity who executes justice for the orphan and the widow, who loves the strangers, providing them with food and clothing. Later, the prophets Elijah and Elisha receive hospitality from others as they are doing ministry. And who can forget the way that Boaz offered hospitality to Ruth in giving protection to her and favor to her? Later, they would become husband and wife and have a son who becomes the grandfather of King David himself. 
In the New Testament, there are roots of hospitality. Jesus at a wedding feast turned water into wine. Jesus offering food to the multitudes. Jesus valued women and children who were often overlooked and left out in society. He healed the sick, even bumped shoulders with people who were deemed ceremonially unclean. And Jesus instituted the Lord's Supper with His disciples, giving them hospitality, something that we continue to follow even 2,000 years later. Jesus, our gracious host. A few weeks ago, I preached from Matthew chapter 25 where Jesus said, For I was hungry and you gave me something to eat. I was thirsty and you gave me something to drink. I was a stranger and you invited me in. I was naked and you clothed me. I was sick and you looked after me. I was in prison and you came to visit me. And the righteous will answer him, Lord, when did we see you hungry and feed you or thirsty and give you something to drink? When did we see you needing clothes and clothe you or a stranger inviting you in? When did we see you sick or in prison and visit you? And the king replies, Truly I tell you, whatever you have done for the least of these brothers and sisters of mine, you did it for me. Jesus, the stranger among us. Jesus, our guest. Divine encounters as we serve our fellow man. Paul reminds us in Romans 12.13 that the marks of, of Christ, of one of the marks of a Christian is to contribute to the needs of the saints and to extend hospitality to strangers. And you remember from a few weeks ago that word hospitality in the English comes from the Greek philoxenos. Philos, xenos, philoxenos, meaning love of strangers. These roots that we are studying about yield fruits when you have strong roots and churches, those roots growing together, intermingling together, serving the community together, you can see some fruits. One of those fruits is the way we worship and praise God. The way we are reconciled to one another. The way that we have effective outreach into the community and truly care about our fellow neighbor. And innovative ways of being neighbor no matter where we are. I want to pause and just say a word to parents. Parents, we often teach our children not to talk to strangers, right? Shake your head so I know you're awake. Right. We tell our children, don't talk to strangers. And children, you need to make sure you listen to your parents. The word in the Bible for stranger meant something different back in the Bible days as it does today. So I want to make sure that before you were to just go up and talk to somebody that you don't know, that you talk to mom and dad or your grandparents or your adult first uh, so that you're safe. Uh, but in the old Bible days, the, the word stranger meant somebody who was outside of the family of God, outside of the family of Israel. You know, the Israelites were God's chosen people. And then in the New Testament, the same thing. People who were strangers were people who were outside of the Christian family or people who we might say were outside of the church. And uh, and today, unfortunately, sometimes words have a different meaning than they did back then. So just, just make sure that you all talk as a family as you're learning what the Bible tells us as we try to put it into practice today. The 
passage that we have before us from Luke's Gospel is a wonderful passage about Christian hospitality. It's a narrative that Luke tells. There are two disciples that are walking from Jerusalem back to where they came from, a place called Emmaus. Emmaus was probably seven miles or so from Jerusalem. Scholars don't know exactly where it was, but they have a pretty good idea. You'll probably see it in your Bible map approximately where it was. And these two disciples are very sad because Jesus had died and then what they had expected to happen didn't happen. And so they're walking back and they probably had their heads kind of hanging low and they're probably walking slow because they were sad. Listen to what Luke writes. Now that same day, two of them were going to a village called Emmaus about seven miles from Jerusalem. They were talking with each other about everything that had happened. As they talked and discussed these things with each other, Jesus Himself came up and walked along with them. But they were kept from recognizing Him. He asked them, What are you discussing together as you walk along? They stood still, faces downcast. One of them, named Cleopas, asked Him, Are you the only one visiting Jerusalem who does not know the things that have happened in these days? Meaning, you haven't heard about what happened to Jesus? What things, he asked. About Jesus of Nazareth, they replied. He was a prophet, powerful in word and deed before God and all the people. The chief priests and our rulers handed him over to be sentenced to death and they crucified him. But we had hoped that he was the one who was going to redeem Israel. And what is more, it's the third day since all this took place. In addition, some of our women amazed us. They went to the tomb early this morning, but they didn't find his body. They came and told us that they had seen a vision of angels who said he was alive. Then some of our companions went to the tomb and found it just as the women had said, but they did not see Jesus. He said to them, How foolish you are and how slow to believe all that the prophets have spoken. Did not the Messiah have to suffer these things and then enter His glory? And beginning with Moses and all the prophets, Jesus explained to them what was said in all the Scriptures concerning Himself. So Jesus went back through all the Scriptures from old and explained to them what they meant in light of what they had experienced. As they approached the village to which they were going, Jesus continued on as if He were going farther. But they urged Him strongly, Stay with us, for it's nearly evening. The day is almost over. So He went in to stay with them. When He was at table with them, He took bread, gave thanks, broke it, and began to give it to them. Then their eyes were opened, and they recognized Him, and He disappeared from their sight. They asked each other, were not our hearts burning within us while He talked with us on the road and opened the Scriptures to us? They got up and they returned at once to Jerusalem. There they found the eleven and those with them assembled together and saying, it's true, the Lord has risen and has appeared to Simon as well. Then the two told what happened on the way and how Jesus was recognized by them when He broke bread. The Word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. From this passage and, and the other passages as our roots, 
we learn that hospitality is gospel. Hospitality, loving others, especially loving others who perhaps are outside of the family of God, is gospel. It's what we do. There's a great quote from religion a writer and speaker, former seminary professor, Diana Butler Bass. Some of you are familiar with her. She, in an interview about Christian hospitality, responded to this question, what does hospitality have to do with salvation? And she responded, God welcomes the strangers. We were all made strangers to God in the, creation, in the story of Genesis. Adam and Eve were kicked out of the garden and became strangers of their created identity that God made them to be. They became strangers to one another, strangers to the natural world around them, and they became strangers to what was once harmony. Everything had now become dissonance. And then Butler says, salvation is God setting a new table for us. When we deserve to be far off, God brought us in. Those who are strangers have been made friends of God. This is the primary definition of salvation in the New Testament. God's hospitality to us. God inviting us to relationship. God inviting us back to the table again. We turn around and then we offer this salvation to others as we invite strangers to God's table. The table of God's love gives hope And I believe that there is a longing for churches that practice true Christian hospitality. Not only is hospitality gospel, the good news, but hospitality is not optional for Christians. We cannot not extend Christian love and hospitality. In verse 29, they urged Him strongly, stay with us even though they did not know Him. Stay with us, for it is nearly evening. The day is almost over. So Jesus stayed with them. And then, after He disappeared from them, they recognized Him because of what happened over the table. And then, third, in this story, Christ models for us both both the guest and the host. Jesus is invited as a guest to the table to dine with these two disciples, Cleopas and the other one unnamed. He is the guest. And then at the table, He becomes the host when He took bread and He gave thanks for it and broke it and served them. Jesus models for us what it means to be guest and what it means to be host. And I do believe, fourth, that something supernatural happens when we break bread together. In, in verses 30 and 32 through 32, when he was at table with them, he took bread, gave thanks, broke it, and began to give it to them. Perhaps his blessing was the typical blessing over the bread. Blessed are you, O Lord, our God, King of the universe, who brings forth bread from the earth. Something supernatural happened in the eyes and hearts of those two disciples around the table of the Lord. There was Word. 
Jesus giving the Word to those two disciples, explaining the, the Word to them, clarifying the Scriptures of old. He gave them the Word, and then He sat at table and broke bread with them. And then there was ascending as they went back to tell the others. Word, table, sending. And in the midst of that, something supernatural happened as they recognized the presence of Jesus among them. And I believe to the bottom, to the depths of my being, that something supernatural happens when God's people gather around the table today. That we are all strangers and that we've been invited in by our good God, invited to his table. And we remember the way that Jesus took bread, not only with those two disciples late that day of Easter, but also on that Thursday evening before Good Friday where He said, take, eat, do this in remembrance of Me. And where He took the cup and gave thanks and poured it out, saying, this is My blood which is shed for you. This is the new covenant in My blood for the remission of your sins and the sins of many. As often as you eat of this bread and drink of this cup, you proclaim the coming of the Son of Man. Today our deacons will serve you. It matters not whether you are a member here at HRBC or another church. What matters is if you have received Jesus, trusted Jesus as your Savior and Lord, that you're walking with Him. We invite you to the table. The bread is safe for all to eat. Let's bow our heads as we pray together.